Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Serena Gibbon. And today on the show, I'm joined by Serena Gibbon, who is the General Manager of the Auckland Property Investors Association. And I'm really excited that Serena's joining us for a couple of episodes this week to talk to us about the changes, the proposed changes to the Residential Tenancies Act. Now, this is one of the largest changes that have been made to the Act since it was introduced in 1986. And I know that the Auckland Property Investors Association and the New Zealand Property Investors Federation have some really strong views about this that we want to get you engaged as both existing property investors and landlords and potential landlords as well because they're going to have some very, very large and sweeping changes for what it means for you as a property investor. So Serena, give us an overview about some of these changes to the view, to the bill and uh, or the Act and the Auckland Property Investors Association's view on this. Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks for having me. And basically, there is an amendment in front of Parliament at the moment to modernise the Residential Tenancies Act. And the intention is to bring about, according to the government's talking point, the intention is to bring about more balance of power between the landlords and the tenant. Now, they're proposing to do this through a variety of... um, of methods, one of which is to increase tenant security by taking away the landlord's ability to terminate a tenancy with a 90-day notice without stating the reason for termination. And the termination reasons itself has to be has to fit within a list of reasons that's um, proposed by the bill. Now the second thing that they're also doing is um, in terms of a fixed-term tenancy being rolled over to a periodic tenancy, which is happening now anyway, is that um, they're taking the landlord's ability to control how a fixed-term would roll over into a tenancy. They're taking, uh, sorry, they're taking the landlord's ability to control how a fixed-term would roll into a periodic tenancy away from the landlords and putting that power in the hands of the tenant, which is creating a lot of uncertainty in the landlord community at the moment. So those are the two massive ticket items that people need to be aware of. Well, let me just jump in there, Serena. Doesn't that kind of sound quite good from the tenant's perspective? I mean, if we're giving them more security, what's the issue here? Um, I think I think it has to be um, more thought through from the tenant's point of view because at the end of the day, landlords invest in rental properties as a business undertaking and really nobody's going to make um, run a business losing money. So the logical conclusion would be those landlords who are able to, they will price the additional risk and the lose of power into the, the rents, so they will increase rent. And I imagine a lot of the manpower investors in New Zealand are going to be looking at whether it is a worthwhile business to continue managing by and one of the outcomes to look at selling up. So I think that has real life consequences on tenants. Um, rentals will become more expensive. There will be less of those around. But I think for the model tenants, um, it gives them quite a lot of pricing power around, you know, they will have more choices for um to find a rental property. Now, I also want to mention that in the explanatory note of the bill, which I imagine not a lot of people would look at, the you'll see an impact statement from there, but that's supplied by, I believe, the Ministry. Is it from Treasury? Um, Ministry of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. Yeah, so the impact statement provided by HUD actually concedes that they could foresee rental um, rents going up as a result of the changes. So that to me is telling 
that to me is um, very telling in the sense that the government is obviously aware that rents were going to go up. And with that awareness, they're pushing ahead with the bill anyway. So I think if there's any tenants out there listening, just be mindful of the fact that, you know, rents will likely go up. And that's a price that our elected officials had decided is worthwhile worthwhile to pay. And I think it's really important as well to, to really dig into this 90-day no-cause termination because although uh, you know people listening at home might might think, well, is that, is that such a big deal? I mean, should landlords be able to, if I can use a, a phrase, kick people out? But what this is really about is that the 90-day clause, if I, as I've read it in, from the New Zealand Property Investors Federation, is not often used and is only used in the situation where you have antisocial tenants, so tenants doing some bad things that you can't prove or that is very hard to prove because under the proposed changes, if you want to end a tenancy and evict your tenants, you have to prove, if it's for antisocial purposes, you've got to prove three times that they have displayed antisocial behaviour and you've got got to be able to prove it in the tenancies tribunal and have all of the appropriate evidence. Have we understood that correctly? Yeah, definitely um, you've understood it correctly. And what I what I would say to that, I'm pleased you mentioned it, is first of all, there's a high threshold of, you know, not they don't, not only do they have to be antisocial, they have to be antisocial three times within a 90-day period. Each time there's a notice requirement, the notice is open to be challenged. So all of a sudden you're saying what you consider to be antisocial slash harassment threatening behaviour would have an objective set of standards or a subjective set of standards placed over them from, by the adjudicator tribunal. And in terms of proving your case at um, at the hearing, sometimes you they may be calling upon your neighbour who generally are the people at the receiving end of antisocial behaviour anyway. And um, so if the tribunal is calling on your neighbour to say, hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so, come and give us evidence around the tenant's behaviour. First of all, you're assuming that neighbours would be incentivized to, to give evidence. Um, Secondly, you put your neighbours in a really difficult position because, you know, logic would suggest they wouldn't want to do it. Why would you? You still live next door to the neighbour, especially if we're talking about... Harassment. First, yeah, and especially if we're talking about um, giving evidence for the first notice or the second notice when the neighbour knows, at least in the next however long until the 90 day is up, the tenant's still their neighbour. So there's that problem there. But on the other hand, neighbours stuck in the rock between a rock and a hard place because... If they don't show up to a witness summon, the bill has increased the penalty from, I believe, $2,000 to $3,600. So your neighbour's potentially out of pocket by quite a bit. What's the penalty there? Just go explain that for me. I haven't quite got that. There's a clause in the, um, in the Act right now. So if you fail to show up, um, if you fail to answer to a witness summons by the tribunal, the fine currently is $2,000. The bill is increasing that fine to three thousand six hundred dollars. So what we're saying, what we're saying to landlords and our um, and our members is, not only do you need to think through the consequences of these ma- massive sweeping changes to you and your tenants, you also need to think through the implications to your neighbours and the community. And I I think it's good, it's just the right thing to do to let your neighbours know that this law is coming in. They could potentially be affected because let's be honest. I mean, no landlord in their right mind would rent to somebody who exhibits antisocial behaviour at application stage. Antisocial behaviour normally exhibits 
when there's a stressor in life and that could happen any time during the tenancy. So, And also I don't think landlords are really the barometer of who is a stable personality, if that makes any <laughs> sense. You know, like, I mean, that takes a lot of... Some people go to school for many years for to learn to do that sort of stuff. So you're placing a lot of responsibility on landlords to essentially underwrite to themselves and to the neighbours that this person that they've put into the rental property isn't going to react badly to the certain challenges in life. And... Um, cut that out. That's fine. And Serena, talk to me as well. Uh, no way. And I know that in the next episode, we'll talk about how to how to submit on this bill and mm-hmm. how landlords can actually give feedback on it because I know that's really important. But what I also just want to point out is that I can see that landlords would become a lot more hardcore about chasing up antisocial behaviour. Whereas we might have let it slide in the past if there was a one-off and you might say, well, we'll see if it happens again. We need to do it on the first time now, would you not say, and be a, be a lot more stringent on the tenants uh, if, if they exhibit such behaviour. Yeah, logic would suggest that you would, but on a you know from a very sort of personal side of it, is if you're a landlord and there's antisocial behaviour directed towards you, your um, yourself, your family, or, or the neighbours to your tenants, the to issue a notice, to issue a legal notice describing the behaviour pursuant to, you know, and say this notice is pursuant to clause so-and-so under the Residential Tenancies Act. So it's a, it's a very formal notice. You've got to be thinking, okay, am I aggravating the situation by putting this notice in? And meanwhile, this person is still in control of my asset and it's a massive asset. So it's, you know, I, I think, yeah, for, from what you're saying, logically, you should. You should police your behaviour. Essentially, there are making landlords police the behavior of tenants but from the landlord's point of view it's putting it's it's a very confronting situation and you're making them to do it you're making them do it three times so i i just don't see how most of the landlords in new zealand are mom and investors i just don't see how a lot of people would be that way inclined to take on that confrontation and I can imagine as well, I feel sorry for the uh, property managers who, who, for those landlords who use property managers, it'll be the property manager who has to deal with this. We may see, uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, we saw some increases in the price of property management as well, if property managers are going to have to be dealing with this. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I wouldn't doubt that. And I think also another thing to consider as well is the fact that the property management in New Zealand as an industry isn't regulated. So so then there is that pressure around for, for consumers in this space around who's the right property manager working for you, who can, who is going to represent you, not just to the word of the law, but also with enough human skills so that at the end of a, every tenancy, you come out as a net win, winner rather than a net loser. And I think with with residential, with residential tenancy, a lot of times we talk about the law, how to interpret the bill, and you know we can really geek out on that sort of stuff. But you know, don't forget, it's a, it's a human endeavour. It's, hu- it's people doing business with each other and, and you just can't legislate and interpret away human behaviour in a very sort of box-standard way. Yes, yes. One last thing before we wrap up, Serena. Can you just define for us, and perhaps we should have done this earlier as well, what is antisocial behaviour? Look, antisocial behaviour in a, in a very broad brush way is described as um, harassment and harassment is described in, in other other acts. So, so there is that... Um, 
there is that understanding around behavior that is on one on one hand it's the threatening menacing behavior but there's also that behavior that causes aggravation within the community i think i think the problem with that is always going to be proving it and um and also finding people who's willing to step up and say yes i witnessed this and this is these are the proof i can furnish to an a tribunal adjudicator to prove my story because it, it can very quickly turn into a he said she said and and if you think about it you know if you have take noise noise is something that's a massive issue especially in Auckland where we live in small sections and you you could have um you know you could have noise that's just reasonable part of everyday life you could have noise that's directed at the neighbor that's speeches that are threatening and you know but but how, how does anyone prove that once that's done now let's wrap it up there but if you want to learn more about property with andrew and i why not take our property investor quiz now this seven question quiz will give you a yes no or maybe answer as to whether you're in the financial position to invest in property right now i'm going to link that in the show notes so just tap or swipe over that cover art it'll take you right there and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it really does help us get the message out to more and more people and in tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about how you can make a submission on the RTA, on the bill we've just talked about, and what goes into a good bill. Submission. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Serena Gibbon. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.